Thanks for being with us. Well, flattening the curve has become a phrase that we use several times a day. We've gone from probably not using that phrase in many, many years, if ever, to having it part of our daily conversation. So are we doing enough to do that in stopping the spread of COVID-19, or is it too soon to even know? Jason Tetro joins us once again. He is the host of the Super Awesome Science Show. Jason, great to have you back on the program. Great to be joining you. Where are you, do you think, as far as uh, we've been told that we have to take these measures, it then takes some time before we know if the measures are working. Mm-hmm. Given the numbers we're seeing now, where do you think we are? Well, I, I think right now what's happening is that um, we, uh, we appreciate that there is community spread. Okay, and so there are definitely people who are going to become infected, but they're either going to be asymptomatic or they're not going to have uh, very significant symptoms. Um, If you can only do 3,500 tests in a day, what you need to do is you need to start focusing on um, the most likely cases and the ones where you can um, essentially do contact tracing to try and figure out where the virus came from. And this is really where we are right now in British Columbia. Um, In terms of flattening the curve, Well, when you look at how many people are coming up infected as a result, okay, it's coming at around 2%. It's very similar to South Korea, which means that it does sound like all the measures are working. The problem is is that this past weekend, as you've probably heard numerous times, there were a lot of people who were gathering on beaches and along the seawall, and that could have potentiated a uh, sort of a cluster of spread. But that may not be able to be seen for at least another week after today. So while we look like we're promising at the moment, it's still too early to tell whether or not it's going to continue to last. Uh, With the announcement yesterday, and we are getting the daily announcements uh, from the province, uh, from our provincial health officer, uh, 42 new cases yesterday, one new death uh, that was reported. Do those Mm -hmm. numbers then, do you think, give people that false sense uh, that we're seeing a decline and that we are, so in fact the measures are working? Well, it means that the measures were working uh, 10 days ago. Um, (laughs) And I think that's the problem is that, uh, and and Dr. Henry has stated this numerous times, um, you have to understand that the numbers that we're seeing today are reflective of what happened, you know, a week and a half ago. And so what we have to do is sort of keep our trust, keep our, 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 you know, keep the process going, if you will, so that we can continue to maintain those numbers. Because as I said, I would expect next week that uh, we're going to start seeing another big spike. And of course, people are going to get very scared about this. But remember that it would have because of something that would have happened, you know, several days ago. And we saw new measures announced today or potential measures from the province to stop that exact thing, to have the behavior that you're right, that we'll then see uh, several days down the line. Um, We talk a lot about the number of cases, uh, the total 659 cases in BC. There have been 14 deaths. Um, The deaths are are very sad. They're tragic. But what about the fact that the deaths all except for, I believe, three were in one care home facility? Well, what this is saying is that um, as this virus is spreading, um, it doesn't seem to be affecting, um, you know, the most uh, at risk. Uh, and, if, and again, you know, it's the elderly, uh, people who are definitely over 80. Um, it's also people who have uh, pre-existing conditions, hypertension, diabetes, uh, kidney problems, lung problems, that type of thing. So 
it looks like, um, you know, in as much as we're, the social distancing is working, we're also protecting uh, the most at risk. You see, there are, there are a couple ways of being able to deal with an outbreak, and, you know, protecting those who are most at risk is sort of the secondary to the social distancing in terms of what we need to do. It seems that both is happening right now in uh, British Columbia, and I think that's a very good sign. But again, remember, everything that you're seeing today is based on something that happened a week to 10 days ago. So you can't necessarily say that what we're doing today is just as good as what happened then. We just have to try and do our best to keep it up. Right. And and is it safe to say or does it make sense that we we're looking at those numbers if we were to still if we were to see the numbers of people in hospital doubling? That's mm-hmm. when things when we realize that things really aren't working. Well, this is a, com- a compounding factor. And of course, this is the reason why we talk about social distancing is so we don't overwhelm our healthcare facilities like we've seen in uh, Italy, Iran, and, and some other places. I think right now what's happening is um, the government is doing the best that it can to be prepared just in case. Okay. Now, how long will that just in case, you know, abundance of caution, I think is the, is the word for 2020. Um, how long will that last? Well, it's hard to tell. But if we do happen to see this happening uh, where we're not having very many um, rise, not a huge rise in cases, and it seems to be continuing on for a long period of time where we're not seeing any spikes, then maybe it might be time to sort of let off the gas. But that's probably not going to be at least until Easter, if not maybe beyond that. Uh, Can you talk a bit as well about masks? Because there seems to be, there has been a bit of a shift in that right out of the gate, we were told the masks are needed by healthcare workers. If you are somebody in the public, if you are just walking around, that mask isn't going to keep you protected. But now we've seen some other countries where it's mandatory to wear a mask in public. Uh, There are graphs being shared on social media showing that, yes, in fact, it does give you a level of protection. There seems to be a lot of confusion. Yeah. The thing is, is, if you're used to wearing a mask, like they are, say, in Japan, um, then it's okay, and, and that's probably a good thing. The issue that we've seen, and this isn't actually due to the public. This is because of what we've seen in healthcare workers, and I was in Saudi Arabia where I saw this with MERS, is that people don't know how to use masks. And so you have to understand, not only do you have to be trained to be able to put it on, you also have to be trained in order how not to mess with it, how to play with it, how to touch it on a regular basis. Because when you do that, you then end up actually increasing the chance that it's going to get into your mouth or to your nose, whatever happens to be in that mask. And so what you have to realize is it's really something that you have to be trained and almost like a Zen master when it comes to doing this properly in order to use it as a protective layer. Um, we don't have that here in Canada for the most part. And in many parts of the, uh, of the world, they, they're just not used to it. So while they may show that if you're using under a controlled situation where you've been trained and you know exactly what you're doing, that a mask is going to be able to help you, such as a healthcare worker, it may not necessarily be good for just the regular average individual who's never had this type of training before. Uh, so the the bottom line is is the message that we've been telling people and the health officials have been telling people that uh, stay home, but if you do have to go out, stay that two meters away, and that's mm-hmm. that's the good amount of protection. That is a really good amount of protection, but let me tell you something. I was out yesterday doing food shopping. A couple places, no problem at all. Could do the social distancing. Other places, eh, not so much. So what I do is I have a scarf, and the scarf is made of a, of a fairly thick cotton. I double that up. And we've shown this in you know, research uh, papers and this type of thing, that it can provide 
ample protection against droplets when they are put within that social distancing range. So basically, if you happen to be in a situation where you can't be, you know, within or outside of that social distancing um, environment, then, you know, the scarf might be that sort of last resort to be able to protect you. That's another reason why we basically say just don't put yourself in that situation in the first place. I have found myself the same as you, and I've been doing my best when I have to go out to stay the two meters, but there have been times if I'm walking across the bridge, you inevitably are, are say, closer than that. Uh, I, I have now involuntarily, I've started holding my breath every time yes. I walk by someone. Is there oh. is, is that a good thing to do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this is, <laughs> you get trained to do this. So for me, it's absolutely normal. Whenever And even, this is like during all the times, not just simply, you know, during COVID, but whenever someone comes within that sort of, uh, one meter distance of me, I tend to just hold my breath until I'm out of there. Uh, and, and then that way I know that at least I'm not inhaling and that if there is any kind of contact with droplets or anything, it hopefully will get picked up by, uh, you know, my nose hairs or get caught up in my saliva so that there's very low chance that I'm going to be able to uh, bring it in so that it can infect me. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you're never going to hear anybody recommend that, but I totally agree. Okay, <laughs> good. I feel better now. Uh, Jason Tetro, thanks so much. I know we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for your time. It was a pleasure. Take care.